On Approach podcast brought to you by AGL, Aircraft Guarantee and Lending, your financing and insurance resource for general and corporate aviation. Contact us today, aircraftcash.com. Again, that's aircraftcash.com. Welcome to On Approach, the show that brings you useful and inspiring information from the world of aircraft ownership. I'm your host, Kim Sutherland, owner and vice president of development for Airmart Aircraft Sales and Brokerage in Lexington. Today, we have two special guests. Joining us remotely from St. Louis, Missouri, is John Travers, partner at Travers & Associates. Welcome, John. Thanks for having me. And in the studio with us today, we have Brian McHugh, finance and insurance specialist for Aircraft Guarantee and Lending in Lexington, Kentucky. Welcome, Brian. Hey, yeah, thanks for having me. And of course, with me today is my husband, Grant, President and Director of Sales and Acquisitions for Airmart Aircraft Sales and Brokerage. Looking forward to today. Tell us a bit about Travers. I know your company has a long and rich history that goes back generations. Yeah, so we were actually founded in 1950 by my grandfather, Bob Travers. He was a World War II pilot, uh, flew the flying boat BBY during World War II. After the war, he got a job as an airline pilot, and he would sell insurance on the side. And as luck would have it, he knew a lot of people that owned airplanes. And so he started insuring a lot of airplanes back in 1950. Uh, About 40 years ago, my dad bought the aviation book from him and ran it for about 40 years, about 38 years. And then uh, a couple years ago, me and my two brothers ended up buying the, the rest of the book from him. Uh, And we've grown it from 1950 to being one of the largest aviation insurance specialists in the U.S. That's amazing. That's really, I don't even know what else to say about that. Quite the history. (laughs) That is quite the history. That kind of says it all. (laughs) (laughs) We're proud of it. Hard to add to that. As you should be. Now, I understand that your family also has a profound understanding about the importance of aircraft insurance because of an event that was almost tragic, really. Will you share that story with us and tell us how it shaped your company's mission and perspective? Absolutely. Yep. We just had the 40th anniversary of it. There, we, we were involved in an airplane crash in October of 1983. We were in a pressurized 58 Baron, and we were flying with a client who was the pilot and an insurance underwriter. And we were trying to talk that insurance company into riding transition pilots into multi-engine aircraft. Uh, on takeoff, the pilot decided that he wanted to take off a little early because the field had some gravel at the end of it. And so he pulled up a little early. He didn't want to have any rocks flying up and chipping the bottom of his brand new 58 Baron. And as such, he didn't get enough airspeed going. And and being a somewhat inexperienced pilot, struggled with it. And we ended up uh, going straight into the trees on the side of the runway. We hit pretty hard and it, it spun around. And as luck would have it, we ended up belly down and about... 20 feet short of a hangar. Had we gone another 20 feet, that would have been the end of me. Uh, But we ended up belly down, and because it was so muddy and rainy there the day before, and I guess that morning, mud kind of clogged in where normal ignition points would have happened. So fortunately, the plane did not light on fire. There was fuel everywhere, and we were trapped in the cabin. Since it was a pressurized cabin, the cabin wrinkled, and uh, we couldn't get out. Fortunately, there were some guys working on an airplane about 100 yards away that came running out with crowbars and screwdrivers and ended up prying us out of the airplane. Uh, everyone walked away. Well, everyone survived. A couple people got banged up, but uh, everybody everybody made it. Wow, that's incredible. And you were just a child at the time. Yeah, I was very young. Uh, it's, it's funny. You know, you look back on it. We still have pictures of uh, my brother and I in the airplane about five minutes before the accident. I've got that framed in my bathroom. I was just 
just looking at it this morning, actually, because I knew we were going to talk about it. But uh, yeah, yeah, we were little. Wow. So that's like a daily reminder then of just how grateful you are to be here each day. I mean, I would put that in my somewhere where I could see it every day, too. That's an incredible story. Um, Well, we're so glad that we have you here with us today. Given your family's long history and this sort of personal passion then that you have for helping aircraft owners and pilots with their insurance needs, what's the most common question that people have when it comes to getting coverage? Um, Probably one of the the more important things that that people ask questions about when you're talking about aviation insurance, uh, just on the first call with the client, it's really it's the whole value because they have to pick a value. It's not like auto insurance where you just say, hey, I've got, you know, XYZ car. You actually have to pick a value there. And that can be a very important number because a lot of the policies are what they call stated value. So if you over-insure an airplane, so let's just say your airplane's worth 100000 and you say, well, I'm going to insure it for 200000 You could have a badly damaged aircraft that the insurance company just repairs instead of totaling it like it should be uh, because they would be less expensive for them to repair it. Now you've got an airplane that has a significant damage history to it uh, that they just repaired instead of totaling. And conversely, if you go too low on it, so let's just say it's worth $200,000, and you say, well, I only want to insure it for $100,000. I'm going to try to save some money. What you could find there is the insurance company has the ability to total out the aircraft and keep the salvage. So if your plane's worth $200,000, it's got $80,000 in avionics in it. You have a gear up landing, the insurance company will say, hey, we'll just total this, and then we'll sell the avionics, and you know we'll be out $20,000. So very important that when you're picking that hull value that you get the right number. And that's probably one of the more common common questions that, that people maybe don't fully understand when they're going through that process. For people that don't even understand what hull value is, how is the hull value determined? That's going to be, you know, you want to know what the plane is worth. And so the, the, the way that I always tell people is if the plane burns down in a hangar fire on the day that you buy it, you park it, you leave, and the hangar catches on fire, what dollar amount do you want to get paid for that airplane? And that's really the importance of, of picking that number. So the whole value, it, it encompasses the entire aircraft and, and everything in it. Uh, and that dollar amount would be the maximum amount the insurance company would pay out in the event of a total loss. That's a great way to put it. <clears throat> that's a good calculation because people, you know, as market values increase, decrease, he sums it up right there. You want to make sure that you're covering your investment. So what do you, what is your investment in the aircraft and helping to determine that whole value? And he covers two really good points. You don't want to overinsure because if there is a loss, that situation can occur. You don't want to underinsure. We had a situation, there was a tornado in Danville uh, last year, and the values of the airplanes had increased. And unfortunately, several of the people were underinsured. Oh, yeah. Um, and that tornado went through the Danville Bowl County Airport. And there was uh, one specific customer called us, and he was like, man, I've got to buy another replacement airplane. Unfortunately, he had a Saratoga HP that had significantly increased in value, but he didn't, at renewal, he didn't increase the whole value of the aircraft. He only had insured for 250000 It was worth 350000 but there was nothing that could be done because he was only covered for two fifty. So John's analogy is, is perfect. It ties right into that example of, hey, if the hangar burns down or a tornado hits it today, what, you know, what, what do you need to be able to recoup from that? So great okay, point. That is a great point. And to that, and then if someone makes improvements on an airplane, they should probably make a call to their insurance company to increase the value of that plane as well? Absolutely. Very important. And so that's every year at your renewal, we always have a, an updater that we send out where we ask if any changes need to be made to the aircraft, to the aircraft value or did you, know, did you do any upgrades. It's important to stay on top of that because you're right. People don't think about it. Just like your car, you, you don't think of, about how much is my car worth today. 
Uh, and even in homeowner's insurance, it's just your rebuild cost. It's not the actual value of your home, but in aviation, it is the, the value of that airplane. Okay. Yep. Yeah. And see, that's the importance of having a good agent like Travers, because these guys think about it. John Travers and their group thinks about that at Renewal. The number of agents that don't think about that in this industry, it's surprising. And it's really surprising. They're doing and they're doing a disservice to the customer uh, as well as the insurance company because, I mean, you know, you want to have the coverage and it's and it's it's a win win because that person is covered for their aircraft if they increase that value. And then, of course, it's a win for travelers because it's an increase in premium. So, I mean, it makes sense on both sides. But the number of agents that don't think about that, it, it's surprising, isn't it, John? Yeah. Yeah. There, so I've been doing this a long time. Uh, and I can tell you that, that there are a lot of people out there that, that maybe don't fully comprehend it, that, that not only the clients, but the agents, and then especially someone that maybe is, is new to the aviation industry and maybe is a new agent, uh, they probably don't think about it, and, and the clients certainly would typically not think about that, too. So, yeah, it's important to work with someone who really knows what they're doing, uh, someone that's, that, you know, experienced. Uh, what happens when things go wrong sometimes, you know, and just like you talked about, Grant, you know, there was an insurance agent on the other side of that claim and the customer called in and said, well, hey, you know, I, I'm upset, you know, I'm, I'm out $100,000 and, uh, you know, we take our job very seriously here. We don't want that call. But when you have a claim, I want you to call me and tell me how great the claim went. Uh, so we do our best to, to, to try to save you from yourself if we can or educate you as best we can so you know what you're getting into. What kind of misconceptions do you think are out there about aviation insurance? So when people come to the table and, and call you about their insurance, what, what misconceptions do they already have and, and what can we do to dispel those? Well, there are two very common ones. And I, when I saw that, that, I mean, that's a great question. Um, and really, the, the first is that you know, you see this on the internet chat rooms and Facebook pages all day long. They say, well, everyone, they, all, all the agents go to the same market, so it doesn't matter. They all have the same company, so the rates are the same. doesn't matter who you use. And that is completely false. If that were the case, I probably wouldn't have as many clients as I have, to be perfectly honest. But uh, although many of us do represent the same carriers, not every agent has a license and is appointed by each carrier. That can be a huge difference depending on the risk. Uh, there might be one carrier that is significantly better than the rest of the market, and the other agents may or may not have a contract with that carrier. And if you think that well, we're all the same, you know, who cares? You could be very disadvantaged. And, and the second part to that, which I think is also very relevant too, if, even if your agent has contracts with every carrier out there, there's a human element to this. Most of these quotes are not just computer-generated, uh, much like, and I, I keep referencing Home and Auto, uh, if you get a quote from a Home and Auto agent, they just punch it into a computer system and it spits you out a quote, and, and that's that. Uh, in aviation, a lot of these are hand-quoted by the underwriters. And so the relationships with the underwriters to, to walk them through a risk, first, my job is to understand the risk, uh, and then to walk it through with the underwriter and, and show them what, what risk they're taking on and assigning an appropriate premium for it. Uh, so there is a human element there. You know, if you just have a guy that's just, just spitting out risk to carriers and just taking the whatever quote comes back and running with it, again, you might you might be disadvantaged in that as well. Even with someone that has the same contracts I have, if you don't have an agent that's really working for you, that can may, lead to a difference in not only pricing, but coverage and, and several different factors. In that. Yes. Well, and there's so many variables in aviation. Uh, even the same plane outfitted in a similar way can have a totally different value than another one. Yeah. And, and really presenting that risk to making sure that you get all the discounts on there. You know, the, the questions that we ask during our pre-screening process, you know, we're, we're looking to save you as much money as we can. 
And so we know what carriers offer which discounts on which airplanes. A simple example is we have one carrier that on he'll still offer a 10% discount on a technologically advanced aircraft where the pilot does any annual training in it. And that's significant when you're talking about maybe a $10,000 premium, and it's going to be $1,000 in savings just because we know how to ask the questions of, of what upgraded avionics you have to qualify for their technologically advanced aircraft discount. There's just a certain box we need to check. And so we need to make sure that that airplane is outfitted with the specific equipment and that the pilot's trained on it. And that can be a, a big saving. Okay. Great point. Yeah. Excellent point. Excellent point. Well, let's so second on. misconception. Yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, sorry. I, I, had, I had two. The second one, and this one is really big, and this comes down to, uh, to coverage, to actually uh, a coverage issue that we see, and that is pilots. A lot of people trust that the CFI is pilot in command, and so they think you can stick any other pilot in there, and they say, well, I'm the CFI, I'm the pilot in command, so I can go and give dual. That is not the case. The insurance policies don't follow the FAA reg, and so that's the one that we try to beat down all the time because it's probably one of the biggest misconceptions in our industry is let's just say that, that you owned a, a 172 and your child decided they wanted to start training, and the CFI says, well, yeah, I'm pilot in command. Let's stick her in here, and we'll start giving her some dual. Uh, it's it's not. Most policies are specifically worded to exclude that. So that's the one that I always try to get out there when, you know, during that, again, the pre-screen process is if you ever plan on doing something like that, just make sure you call your agent first. It's usually fairly easy to get approved, but don't just start letting someone else train in your aircraft or fly your aircraft without checking with your agent first. Uh, and the, the line I always use is you don't want me teaching you how to fly your airplane. Let your CFI do that. And you don't want your CFI telling you about insurance coverage. Let me do that. All right, let's move on to talking about the relationship between aircraft insurance and financing. Brian, tell us about your role with AGL and give us some perspective on how the two go hand in hand. AGL works with and has partnered with several vendors as well as Traverse uh, Insurance to kind of put those two things together. Um, so that way, not only can you finance your airplane, but also partner with Traverse as well to insure at the same time. So AGL kind of makes it a one-stop shop to where you can uh, buy your aircraft through Airmart. You can look for lenders through me, and then we can also partner you up with Traverse in order to insure your aircraft. Okay, terrific. So basically, owners can have, make just one phone call to AGL and get information on both their insurance quotes and financing. They can do they can do all things through AGL to make it a, a kind of a simple and efficient process. Kind of a one stop shop. One, one stop, stop shop for shop. it all. Just to have an idea if they wanted to do any research on on the aircraft purchase process. The only thing I found that overwhelms people is the whenever I provide them a I provide them a credit application that they fill out, but I also provide them a list of documents that's going to be needed. And when they see that list, sometimes they get a little overwhelmed. The only thing I could provide to make it a little easier is just to have uh, expectations of what they're going to need coming in and not feel like it's an overwhelming process because we're here to make it as efficient as possible. So basically, the most important thing is get that credit application in. Get that phase credit one. Out. Phase don't, one, for don't, sure. Don't be intimidated by what, what's coming behind it, right? Right. So just get, get the first part done because we don't right. know if we're going to get to phase two. Phase one, we got to get done before we get to phase exactly. two. Exactly. We're going to check those boxes off one by one, so yep. that's no big deal, and that's what I'm there for is to kind of walk you through that process. It shouldn't be an overwhelming thing. It should be 
oh, let's get this done. And then at the end of the day, I have an airplane. Exactly. <laughs> right. It's the big reward at the end. People have sent in their application. You've talked to them about getting a quote through Travers for insurance. About how long on average can they expect that whole process to take from application to being underwritten and ready to buy? It really depends on how long it takes to get all of the financial documents together. But say you come in and you have all of that ready, um, there's no reason you couldn't have couldn't go through the process within three days to a week. Three business days. Three business days. days. Yes. yes, that's important. Three business days for sure. Yep, three business days of credit approval. It can be a quick and efficient process if we if we have all of our ducks in a row and everything ready. Um, it, it's really a, a lot easier than what people think. And John's even faster. I was going to say, John did, you, <laughs> John, did you have anything to add to that? Yeah, it's, it's rare that you wait for us. It really just depends on the risk. But, uh, you know, if, if, if it's a standard type risk, we can be as, as quick as just a couple hours or less. Special risk, transition pilots, high hull values, a few things like that can be time consuming, but it's rare on more than a day. Quick. Okay. He's yes. quick. He's like quick. Said, he's <laughs> definitely way faster than a bank. So banking and insurance, insurance is going to win this race. From an aircraft purchasing perspective, how important is it to consult with your insurance agent before you even begin shopping for that next plane? Well, I think you can look at it from two perspectives. You can you can have a dialogue with an insurance agent, but also a good aircraft broker should be able to provide you with some basic insight. So if it starts to get more involved with the risk, then that is something that the a good aircraft broker should refer you to your insurance agent. I don't want to get into what John needs as far as what the perspective of that would be, but a good aircraft broker uh, should be able to give you some of the basics of, you know, if a guy calls in and he's a student pilot and he says he wants to buy a Piper Meridian, a good aircraft broker should be able to say, hey, look, that's not going to work. And what we tell people is we have a simple strategy and we look at it as as child rearing, so to speak. So we, we tell everybody you got to Crawl, walk, run. So flying and learning is the exact same thing. When you're when you're growing up and you're developing, when you're in that walk phase, we're looking at a student pilot. So we're looking at entry-level aircraft, archers, 182s, just basic entry-level trainer aircraft. So that's the kind of the speech that we give to people. Um, if they want confirmation of that, by all means, talk to an insurance agent. But we really like to be part of that front-end process. But we're more than happy to refer them to Travers for that. And John does a wonderful job with that entry-level person and telling them what they need. Yeah, you're spot on. And I think the big thing on insurance is, you know, if the, and by the way, as a side note, we can get almost anything done. It's just a matter of the, the price point. I just got a quote yesterday for a student pilot and a TBM. Now, I can tell you, we, we wouldn't need to do the podcast if we had the kind of money to spend on an insurance premium like that. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it can be done. Yeah. But I think that, that, that to talk to us early is important because there are some things in there. So, for instance, if it's going to be a long-term pricing issue, if it's an airplane that maybe just carries a higher price uh, than other similar aircraft, it's important for that client to know, hey, the plane you're looking at, is it's going to be you know, expensive or training or any other aspect of aviation insurance that's going to affect that, that purchase uh, versus if it's just a first-year thing. So sometimes you'll say, well, yeah, uh, it's expensive that first year, but here's what you need to do. You know, get your private, get your instruments by X amount of hours, and now here's your long-term pricing. When you're putting together your spreadsheet and you're looking at an airplane and you say, well, that's too expensive on insurance, we need to understand really, okay, where, or clients understand where is this going? What what's the long term plan? If I have to put X amount in in year one, what is it in years two through five? That's really I, I think important for us to get in early. Number one, you don't want to have someone walk away from an airplane they love because they got mm. sticker shock over that right. insurance premium if yeah. it's a one time fee. Great point. Mm-hmm. Could have said it better. Yeah. 
That's why he's so good at what he does. <laughs> We've received some great questions from our listeners this week, and we'd love to get your expert opinions as the experts around the table. Uh, the first question's for John. A listener asks, I'm turning 70 in a few months, and I've been told that I might not be able to get coverage for my beloved Piper Lance. What advice can you give that would let me continue to fly? I'm in good health, and I fly consistently, about three hours a month. What would you say to this flyer, this pilot? We get this question all the time. And so it, it does vary year by year. Uh, so it, it's always kind of a, a funny answer that I give when someone says, you know, I'm 70, what's going to happen next year? And I say, well, you know, it could be better, it could be worse. If someone says, I, I think I'm getting too old, I say, wait a year. In, in a year, you might not be as much of a problem. It's a weird thing to say because obviously you age. So it's always a, a difficult thing to predict because that does change. But I can tell you that as far as giving yourself the best opportunity to have reasonable insurance pricing as you age into your 70s, definitely keep your medical. A lot of people say, well, I'm 72. I'm thinking about going basic med now. Uh, I would discourage that. If you can get a third-class medical, I would encourage you to do it uh, because that is one of the pieces the underwriter is going to look at. They're going to say, well, I don't know if this is on the higher end of our age range. Uh, oh, and he's basic med. Okay, and that, that kind of is just one thing. Versus if he looks at it and says, okay, he's on the higher end, but he has a fresh third-class medical from 30 days ago. That can vary. Uh, flying a lot, staying current is probably the number one. They want to see that, that you're flying and that, and that you're staying very current. They don't like to see that you flew two hours this year and, and three hours last year. Uh, and I would say the third most important thing is don't chase rates. Think long-term, mm -hmm. establish a relationship with an agent and with an insurance carrier that has a history of renewing your insurance policies later into your years. Uh, we've had it happen a lot of times in my career where someone hits, say, let's just say 74 and they find an insurance rate that's $100 cheaper or whatever, and then they, they move, and now they call back at age 75, and they say, well, that guy dumped me after a year, uh, and now we're coming in new business at age 75 versus a current client at 75. Uh, we like to, around mid-70s, we like to try to find a carrier that is historically good with aging pilots, and we like to keep you there so that on you know year whatever it is, when the underwriter says, oh, I'm not getting comfortable with this one, we can go back and say, look, this guy's been with you for 10 years. There's a reason we've kept him with you because we wanted you to renew him until he was done flying. Uh, and, and typically, if we can pair that argument with a fresh third-class medical and currency, uh, we usually win that argument more often than not. And that's the importance of having someone who has experience and also that human element that you talked about um, earlier about how important it is that it's not just plug the numbers into the spreadsheet and out the premium comes. It's, it is about relationships and it is about working with a person that you can trust. Our next question is for Brian. A listener wants to know, I want my 18-year-old daughter to complete her flight training in our family's Cessna 182. How will ensuring her as a student pilot affect my premiums? That's a great question and one that uh, is a reason why we partnered with John over at Traverse. Um, John, would you care if I... Uh, sent that question over to you to go into more detail? Yep, it's a great question. So the first thing that they need to do is they need to make sure that they add that student pilot as a named pilot. And again, we touched on that a little bit earlier, uh, that even though the CFI is pilot on command, there's not automatic coverage. As far as what it will do to the premiums, it will affect the premiums based on who else is on that policy. If you already had a student, it probably won't have as dramatic of an effect. Uh, however, if you're an ATP and now you're going to add a student, obviously that's going to be a different rate guide. 
aviation insurance premiums are a percentage of the hull value and then a dollar amount for liability. So a preferred pricing on a high-valued 182 is going to be around 1% of the hull. Really rough rule of thumb, but that's pretty accurate uh, You know, for about 80%. Uh, when it comes to a student, that percentage is going to go up. So let's just say it's a $300,000 182 and you're a high-time ATP. You're paying around $3,000 a year. If you go to add a student on there, that rate's going to go somewhere around 3% if I had to ballpark it. So might my, my go up is around 9000 would be a, a rough idea. So you do, you do see a, a temporary increase. However, as that pilot goes and gets ratings and hours, it settles down. Usually within about a year on a 182, you get back to, to standard rates. That makes sense. But we love our children, so they're worth it. They're well worth it. Yes. <laughs> and we all want them to fly, don't That's we? right. Absolutely. Yes, we do. We all want them to be pilots. All right. Our last question is for Grant. Someone looking to upgrade from a single engine to a twin said, I recently got my multi-engine rating, and I would like to trade my Piper Saratoga for a Beechcraft Baron to travel across the mountains once a week for business. I only have about 22 multi-engine hours. What are the chances that I can get affordable coverage, and what are my options to make the leap from a single to a twin? That is a great stepping stone right there, because if they're coming out of a Saratoga, they're coming out of a high-performance aircraft, so they've got you know, more than 200 horsepower, they've got retract time, hopefully they've got an instrument rating, but not absolutely required. Um, but that is an easy step to make. That's a good transition. Um, they're asking for the right kind of multi-engine aircraft, so coming out of a Saratoga, a lot of guys will go to either a Piper Seneca or a Beechcraft Baron. So that's a very doable step. John, do you want to comment any further on that for some more in-depth detail on you know what you're going to be looking for from an insurance side? Yep, you're, you're absolutely right, and I think you nailed it. I mean, that, that's a good transition. These underwriters, when they see uh, reasonable transitions from the clients, it, it's just like you would expect. The insurance premiums are, are also reasonable. That's really what they see. It's, it's, it's when you see someone coming out of a 172 trying to get into a King Air. You know, okay, now that's going to be a, a, yeah. a big transition. But, yeah, yeah you're exactly right. The Saratoga <laughs> going into a Seneca makes a ton of sense. They're used to the speed and the horsepower. It's not that dramatic step up. And so the insurance premiums reflect that. Good, Good. question. Yeah. Is there anything else that you feel that our listeners should know, John, about aircraft insurance that we haven't talked about yet today? I think they've got it. Uh, we're always available for specific questions, and, and we're always happy to help. So anybody ever needs our help, let us know. I just am very, very happy with the partnership that AGL has with Travers. Uh, Travers in the, in the insurance industry, we've dealt with numerous brokers, numerous experts in the field. Um, I'm not going to name a lot of the other agencies, but over the, the history of our business and the, the decades that we've been in business, um, Travers goes above and beyond in every step that we have seen, both in response time, customer service, quality, underwriting. I mean, just their relationships and the history that they have. I mean, it just shows in every step of the way. So, uh, just a big fan of Travers. I'm glad that you know AGL is partnered with them and that we're we've got this opportunity with them. And we're glad to have you here. I, today, I appreciate John. that. We, we really appreciate that too. And and you guys are great. We love working with you, and we try hard. So you know it, we try to take every single client and give them the red carpet service that they deserve, uh, which you know oddly enough is not so oftenly done in our industry anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, we we take every single client and, and treat them like they deserve to be treated. It shows. And it shows. It. Yep. Yeah, Customer sure. reviews and everything. I mean, it really shows. All right. Well, thank you. Well, that's all the time we have for today. I'd like to thank our guests, John Travers of Travers & Associates and Brian McHugh from Aircraft Guarantee and Lending. 
and of course my husband and <laughs> aircraft acquisition expert Grant Sutherland. I'd also like to thank our listeners for their insightful questions. If you have any more questions or topics you'd like to see us cover in future episodes, please feel free to reach out at listeners at onapproachpodcast.com. If you've enjoyed today's show, please subscribe and leave a review. Until next time, fly safe, everyone. On Approach was sponsored by AGL, Aircraft Guarantee and Lending, providing you with your financing resource for both general aviation and corporate aircraft. We also provide insurance quotes timely and efficiently. Contact us today, aircraftcash.com, 859-694-8589. Again, aircraftcash.com. 859-694-8589.